It is good to see you here on uh, this Christmas Eve. So I think always on Christmas Eve, it's always time I can say Merry Christmas, right? So Merry Christmas. All right. Uh, do again remind the kids, hopefully you did receive uh, some of the sheets when you came in this morning to take notes. If you take some notes, do all those activity sheets on your way out, you see me and I've got a candy cane. If you'll show me your notes, all right? So not the adults, all the adults are saying, where's my candy cane? All right, I'm gonna bless the kids today with that. So hopefully you'll do that. But I am so glad you've decided to join us here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the real reason for the season. However, can I give you a word of caution this morning as we join together? I want to say this to you. Avoid letting this service just be a hallmark moment. Okay, you you know what I mean by that? What I mean is don't just let this be one of the many activities that you do to celebrate Christmas in order to make a memory. Because that's what we can do with it. We can just say, oh, I've got a memory. I, I went to church on Christmas Eve. And so I add that memory with all the other memories. And so I have have my hallmark moment. Don't let it just be a hallmark moment. I mean, if Christmas Eve worship is something that you look forward to, that's great. I think we ought to look forward to it. In fact, some of us, we're going to be back here at 11 o'clock because that's what we see as uh, the tradition that we like for Christmas Eve. We like to be here and ring in Christmas Day at the 11 o'clock service. So there'll be some back to do that tonight. But again, I want it to be more than just that hallmark moment. Make sure while you're here, you truly worship the Lord, all right? Let it be a time that I truly say, God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to experience you. Because I want you to worship God, because here's what we're going to see, is that what God did on that first Christmas morning is he expressed his love to us. It was a love like no other love. In fact, to look at this love, we're going to consider some verses from John chapter 3. They are read as part of our Advent lighting this morning, but I'm going to read them again. And we're going to begin with verse 16. The one that's probably familiar to you the most, but here's what we're going to see is that God's love is a special love. All right, As we look at just this one verse, you're going to see that God's love is truly like no other. Look at what it says there. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You see, when it comes to Christmas time, this this time of year is typically a time when we display love. We express our love for family when we give gifts to one another or when we gather for our Christmas celebrations. We express our love for other people, typically by making donations to organizations that help provide for others. Some even express their love to others by volunteering with organizations to minister to the less fortunate during this time of year. Christmas is a time that we long for love. We long for the love of our family, and so we look forward to those family celebrations. Often if one is single, this is the time of year when they desire to be loved and they desire to find love. A person who's single probably would love to have nothing more than a ring for Christmas, right? We we love this time of year, and we long for love. We look for love. Christmas is a time of love. And because of that, when we read here in John 3, 16... It makes sense that this season is one of love because Christmas started with God displaying his love for us by sending Jesus. However, his love is special because his love offers to us something that cannot be found anywhere else. You see, God's love offers to us eternal life. And there's no other love that can offer that to us. And if you don't know what eternal life is, eternal life means it's a different way of living on earth, but it's a joy of living with God eternally in heaven. Here's what I know today. I know that I can express love to people 
But you know, any love that I offer to anyone, it's just a temporary love. Even when I think about my love for Kim, I can offer my love to Kim and I've offered her my love and I've told her until death do us part, but I cannot offer her my love beyond this life. You see, the love that God offers is a love that is for this life and it's for the life to come because he offers to us an eternal life. God's love is truly a special love. In fact, until you experience his love, you'll never actually experience true love. You can experience the love of a parent. You can experience the love of a child. You can experience the love of a friend, the love of a spouse. You can experience the love of others that you might minister to. There's all kinds of love that you can experience. But until you've experienced the eternal love of God, you have never really experienced love. Now, as we talk about God's love, we also acknowledge something else, which is this, that God's love is a needed love. You know, I, I truly believe there are many people who look at God in the wrong light. They, they see God as demanding and they see God as condemning. In other words, there are many who believe that there's a, a lot that God wants people to do. And if they don't do exactly what he says to do, then he condemns them. In fact, look at the next verse here in John 3, verse 17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You see, God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but instead to save it. Again, there are so many people, as I said, who misunderstand who God is and how he interacts with his people. Yes, he is a God who longs for righteousness in his people. I mean, if you study God's word, it is clear that there is a right way and a wrong way to live right in God's sight. Most of what God wants us to do, in fact, makes perfect sense to us. I mean, not stealing, not lying, not murdering, all the things. We probably don't even list to, to tell us those things are wrong, do we? I mean, we just kind of know that. I mean, we know it's wrong to steal. We know it's wrong to murder. We, we know those things, all right? So we understand that. We don't need even God to give us that list. But we also know this, that if we are in God's perfect will, we're also not to envy, we're not to boast, we're not to gossip. We are supposed to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We are to be generous in helping others and so much more. And here's the truth of those things. We find some of those things a little more difficult for us to do, right? It's a little more hard for us to love our enemies. It's a little harder not to gossip. It's a little harder not to envy. And here's what we all at some point realize. It's this that we have failed to live out God's will perfectly. We have messed up more than we like to admit. And because of our failure, we also live in fear of what God might want to do to us to punish us. However, God isn't a God who is longing to punish people or a God who is simply spending all his time looking and finding somebody who's gonna make a mistake so they can pounce. I mean, that is not the love of God at all. That's not what his love is like. Let me ask you this. Have you ever imagined what Jesus would say to you if you randomly met him one day? Have you ever wondered what he would say to you? Let's say one day, I mean, you got into an elevator and you ended up on that elevator and it was just you and somehow Jesus walked in that elevator and it was just the two of you. And so the door shuts of that elevator and the two of you are alone, all right? Could you imagine what would that be like? I mean, what do you think Jesus would say? Here's what I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't just stand there in awkward silence. Right? That's what we do in an elevator with somebody we don't know, right? We just kind of stand there with awkward silence. <clears throat> but I'm pretty sure what Jesus would do is strike up a conversation with us. And how do you think he would start that conversation? Do you think he would start it by saying, hey, since we're alone, I got a few things to talk to you about? <laughs> right? 
Is that how you think? And then what he would do is he begin to go through all the list of all the things that you're not doing right. You, do you think that's what he would do? I mean, that's probably the fear of some of us, amen, right? If I was alone with Jesus, he would just say, well, let's talk. I got a whole list of things we need to go over. Well, if that's your fear, I want you to think about something. One day, Jesus did have an encounter in the next chapter in John 4. He had an encounter with a woman at a well, and he met this woman at a well, and he met her there alone. It was just he and her. And Jesus did strike up a conversation. Now, if you know anything about this woman, here's what you know. This woman that he met that day, she had a past. This woman that day had already been married five times and was with man number six, and man number six wasn't her husband. There was no doubt that this woman had some issues in her life. And so we might think if Jesus meets this woman, he's going to begin to say, well, let me tell you, let me tell you everything that's wrong with your life. You know, when Jesus struck up that conversation, you know what he did? He did not begin to create the list of all the stuff that she did wrong. He looked at her and said, listen, I've got something I want to offer you. I want to offer you living water. He didn't bring up her situation. He said, I've got something I want to give to you. And what he was offering to her was forgiveness. He was offering her forgiveness for her sin and a new and a better way to live. He wanted to give her not condemnation, but a love that would change her life for the better and forever. Listen, her sin only came up, all right, in a sense that Jesus helped her see her needs and says, I've got something that I want to give you. See, maybe today you've been reluctant about getting too close to God because you think that all God wants to do is condemn you, but that's not true at all. Here in verse 17, it said that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. And that truth is even confirmed in Romans 1.8, where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, God's love is needed because in reality, we know that we deserve God's condemnation, but God sent Jesus to do just the opposite. He sent Jesus to save us from our sin. It really doesn't matter what your past contains. God wants to heal you from your past, forgive you for whatever ways you have failed. And so if your experience with the church or Christians is filled with common condemnation, then I ask you this Christmas to look beyond the church, to look beyond Christians and look to Jesus because he loves you more than you can imagine. And instead of condemning you, he wants you to know a better way to live. He may not want you to keep on living the way your life you're living now and doing the things that you're doing, but he doesn't want to condemn you. He, he wants you to experience the love of God that you need that's a transforming love. And so if you feel condemned today, look to the love of God that was given on Christmas. Now, there's much more I could say about God's love here, but let's consider next that God's love is a love that demands a decision. All right, think about this. God's love is a love that demands a decision. In verse 16, we were told that it is those who believe in Jesus who are the ones who get saved from their sin. Though God offers a unique love, it is not a love that he forces on us. We have to accept it by believing in Jesus and what he has done for us. Now, if you think that you can just remain neutral on Jesus, you cannot. In fact, look at verse 18. Look at what it says in verse 18. It says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only son of God. You see, when it comes to God's love that he has shown to us through Jesus, there's only one of two places you can be. You either believe in Jesus and you place your faith in him 
or you do not. But the decision you make will have dramatic impact on your life. Notice those who believe are not condemned. Why is that the case? Because those who place their faith in Jesus find God's forgiveness and the eternal life he offers. I mean, if we consider that God's forgiveness is a gift, we can compare it to the gifts we receive at Christmas. I mean, if someone came up to you and said, I mean, I got you a gift for Christmas and and took it, and then they looked back at you and said, oh, that'll be now $14.99, right? (laughs) What would you say? You'd say, that's not a gift if I have to pay for it, right? That's right. But the truth is, think about this. The truth is that the giver has to pay for that gift, right? And that's what Jesus did for us. The gift of eternal life is free to us, but it costs Jesus his life. Here's how God's word states it in Romans 3, 23 and 25. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. I like that translation because it uses the word gift. Truly what God offers to us through Jesus is the gift of being saved from our sin. Jesus paid the cost. He was the propitiation. He was the atoning sacrifice that made our forgiveness possible. But notice this gift is received by faith. You have to trust what Jesus did in order to receive this amazing gift of God's love. You have to decide to receive it. You have to place your faith in Jesus in order to be saved. In fact, I want to read those verses again, but this time I want to read them from the New Living Translation because maybe it will help us understand what Jesus did. Listen as I read it again. He said, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty from our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You understand what it's saying? He says, you're made right with God. You're saved when you believe what Jesus has done for you by dying in your place. When you truly believe that Jesus paid the price for your sin, that you couldn't pay for it that you needed the gift of salvation. You couldn't afford the gift because the cost of the gift of salvation is death. And you know, you couldn't pay that price, but Jesus came and he paid it for you, all right? And he offers eternal life to you through what he has done. Does that make sense? But here's the truth. You don't just get it automatically. Jesus has paid the price. He offers the gift, but you just don't get it. You have to receive it. Now, remember, I said God loves demands a decision. And some of you might be on a fence about Jesus or, or you don't think it matters if you believe in Jesus. But look at verse 18 again to see why it's so important that you make a decision to follow Jesus. Because it said, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Hear me. To not believe is a decision. It is a decision to live in condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. What Jesus did was necessary because, hear me, our natural state is one of condemnation. 
Our sin put us in the state, so Jesus came to rescue us. He came to offer us another option. He came to offer us eternal life in place of condemnation. Let, let me give you an example, and we'll keep it in the realm of love, all right? Because the realm of love, this decision is similar to like maybe when I was younger. You know, when, when I was younger, I had a natural state. And you know what my natural state was when I was younger? It's a state they call being single. Anybody here single this morning? Nobody want to raise your hand and say, I'm single. There's some. Yeah, thank you. All right. You're in that natural state. You're single. However, there, there was a period of time when I fell in love with Kim. There was a, a time when I was ready for things to be official. And so one Christmas, I offered her the gift of me. <laughs> Is it bad that I thought I was such a wonderful gift? Probably right. It probably was. All right. But, but that's what I did. All right. So what I did, I gave her a Christmas gift, and part of that gift was asking her if she would be my girlfriend. And that gift demanded a response. She could say yes, or she could have said no, but she could not remain on the fence. Let me ask you this question. If she had not responded, would I have gotten the message? Yes. Because if she had not responded, the answer would have been no. Right. All right. By default, the answer is no. If she had not responded to that, nothing would have changed in our relationship, all right? It would have stayed the same. I would have stayed in the state of single, all right? A none response would have been the same as a no response. Now, thankfully, she said yes, and that opened up the opportunity for our relationship to go deeper to the point that we eventually got married and had a family, and through that, we experienced a great life together. Now, none of what we have experienced would have happened had she not made the choice to accept my love. And so it is with the love of God. What God offers to us through Jesus is forgiveness of sin and eternal life. It is leaving your current status of condemnation to enter into a status of forgiveness and living eternal life. It is really about living in relationship with God so that he is there to guide you, so that he is there to comfort you, he is there to help you, and so much more. And the longer you are in a relationship with God, the more you get to experience his love. But you have to choose this life with God, all right? You have to choose it, or instead, you stay in the condition of condemnation. Now, as we have discussed God's love, I would hope that you would say, you want God's love in your life. You want to experience God's forgiveness. You want the eternal life he offers. You want a love that doesn't condemn you because it's surely a love that's different than what you normally experience. If that's you, you also need to know that God's love is a love that is fought against. Think about this. If you've watched any Hallmark movie, you know that in, in that show, as it moves on, the couple of that particular show, whoever it is, is trying to get together the closer they get together as time goes on, there's going to be a point in that show where the relationship is threatened. All right, we got any Hallmark movie watchers in here? I will confess I'm a Hallmark movie watcher, okay? Forgive me. Don't think of less of me because I do that, even though I know the ending, all right? I still watch them. All right, but something's going to be happening to fight against that couple being together. Many times it's that one gets the new job that they've been working so hard to get and it's going to require him or her to move out of town or this new opportunity and so they've got to move away and so the love is threatened. This love that's been blooming, right, is going to come to an end because something has now gotten in the way, right? 
It's going to prevent that relationship from moving forward. Now, in the Hallmark movie, the people always choose love in the end, right? It wouldn't be a Hallmark movie if they didn't, right? Whoever has that new possibility given to them turns it down, the new job opportunity in order to stay with the one that they have fallen in love with. They kiss and the movie's over, right? Y'all, if you watched it, you've seen it a hundred times, all right? Again, if that didn't happen, it's not a Hallmark movie. Life, however, hear me, ready? Life, however, doesn't fit the script of a Hallmark movie. And when it comes to God's love and our relationship with him, there are many things that fight against us having a relationship with him. Listen to what verse 19 says in John 3. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Think about what this says that even though Jesus came to offer us forgiveness and a new life, even though Jesus came to offer us a special love, people often choose other things rather than him. We don't like to admit it, but many times, hear me, many times we're in love with our sin. We like how it makes us feel. We like the experience it brings us. We like sometimes the benefits, if we can call them that, that comes with sin. And even if they cannot put their finger on it or explain it, many people, they know there's something about their sin that appeals to them and they don't want to let it go. I don't know what that sin might be that's prevalent in your life, but you know what I'm talking about. And for all of us, we are faced at some time in our lives, are we going to choose Jesus or are we going to choose our sin. And you have to choose whether you're going to walk in the light of Jesus Christ or whether you're going to remain in darkness walking in your sin. Your choice, hear me, will have eternal consequences as we've seen. To choose Jesus is to be forgiven and given eternal life. To choose darkness is to stay in your condemnation awaiting the wrath of God. Jesus spoke about himself as light in John 8, 12 when he said this, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of what? Life. There it is. If you follow Jesus, you will not walk in darkness, but instead in the light of life. This tells you that even when it comes to not sinning, ready, listen, even when it comes to not sinning, your ability to not sin is not about you trying harder. It's not about you making your best effort. It's really about you choosing to love God more and realizing that what God offers to you is much better than what sin offers without the negative consequences. You with me? So as you choose the love of God through your faith in Jesus Christ and walk with him, he helps you live a righteous life. You see, in the end, it's really about us saying, no to all the things that fight against God's love in our lives and saying yes to God. If we stop and really consider which would be better, to continue in sin and walk next darkness or to choose to love God and walk in his light, I believe it would be clear that walking in God's love would be the best decision for our life. As John said in chapter one of his gospel, he said in him, that's Jesus, was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
To choose Jesus is really to choose life. And here's what amazes me. If you look back over the last 2,000 years since Jesus came on that first Christmas, Jesus and Christianity have been under attack on many fronts. But here's a great truth. The darkness has not overcome, right? Christianity is still alive and well, and the truth of God's love continues to prevail. And Jesus is still doing what Paul wrote in Colossians 1, where he says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In fact, I believe that there are some here today who need to be rescued from darkness and walk in the light of Jesus. There are some today who need to accept God's love, and you know you need it. You feel the condemnation of your sin. It is a burden you've been carrying too long, and God wants you to decide today to accept his special love, his love that offers to you eternal life. Even in this very moment, here's what I know. There are probably things for some of you in this very moment they are fighting against the love of God. There's some of you this morning that says, I want to give my life to Jesus, but if I go forward and tell people I want Jesus, they might talk about me. They'll say things about me. Or you might say, if I give my life to Jesus, I've got to give up this, and I'm not sure I want to give up that. And those things are going through your mind right now. Here's what I want to tell you in this moment. Put all those things aside, and I just want you to hear the voice of God who looks at you and says, I love you. I want to forgive you. I offer you to eternal life. Come today and receive my love. I pray that's the voice you hear, all right? Don't even hear that voice that says, oh, I can wait a little longer. I can maybe do it next week, all right? None of us are guaranteed next week, all right? Don't listen to any of these voices today. And instead, I want you to come and walk in God's love. As I end my message today, I'm going to light the center candle of our Advent centerpiece. The center, center candle is the Christ candle as the light of the world. And so as I light this representing the light of the world, here, here's what I'm going to do. This is going to shine during our invitation time. It's reminding us that Jesus came to be that light of the world. And this moment we had this invitation, I want the light of God's love to shine in your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never accepted his love, there's no greater gift you can receive on Christmas than the love of God through Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna invite you during this invitation to come and to receive that. In fact, Brother Jacob will be over here. I will be over here. And if you need to give your life to Jesus and receive God's love, you come today and I want you to receive that. We're also though, we're gonna be celebrating the Lord's table together during this invitation because many of you here today would say, you know what, I'm a believer, I've received this. In 1 John 3, 16, here's what it says, is this is how we know what love is, all right? That that he laid down his life for us. How do we even know what love is? It's symbolized by the fact that Jesus gave his life for us. And we're gonna receive these elements celebrating God's love. The wafer representing his body that was broken for us. The juice representing his blood that was spilt for us. And it was the way God says, let me tell you how I love you. I love you so much. All right, my son's gonna give his life for your sins. You might be forgiven and you can come out of condemnation and you can walk in forgiveness. You can walk in eternal life for now and forevermore. And for if you're a believer today, you're gonna come and celebrate that. And what I want you to do is come take these elements. I want you to go back to your seat, take a moment with those elements in hand and thank God for his love if you've experienced it. And also at the same time, I want you to begin to pray. I want you to pray for those people today who doesn't know his love, who they're not walking in his love, that they're still walking in condemnation. 
And you'd pray even this Christmas, there'd some who would go from being condemned to be forgiven, who'd go from darkness into the wonderful light of God, pray that they would experience his love. Will you do that for me? Let's bow together as we prepare for this invitation. Father, as we come in these moments, I want to thank you for your love that you showed us that first Christmas, that love that offers us a love like no other, that offers us an eternal love, a love that forgives us of sin and moves us from the state of condemnation and moves us to that place of being forgiven and living an eternal life. And in these moments this morning, God, I know there are some who've never given their life to you, and this is a time that that they can do that. And I pray in these moments on this Christmas They would come and receive the greatest gift that's ever given, your gift of eternal life. And for all of us, though, Father, my prayer would be today that we would come and we would celebrate your love for us, for those who've already given their life to you. And that even we who know you, that we would come and realize that, that God, if we come in here and, and maybe we're still living with condemnation in our lives, that God, we can set that aside because in Christ, you've taken care of all that. And that even tonight or this morning, what we would do is we would choose again to love you even more. And if even right now we've been flirting with sin in our life, that we'd even choose again to put that sin aside and instead choose your love and walk more deeply in your love this Christmas. Because Father, I know again, you loved us in such an amazing way. We should never take that love for granted. And Father, we should never walk in a way that's displeasing to that love. And so help us today to walk in the love of Jesus this morning. So bless this time of invitation. Whatever needs to happen in these moments, God, I pray that you'll speak to hearts, you'll speak to lives, you'll speak to minds. But Father, let your love pour out, I pray. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name, amen.